Hello, everyone. My name is Bobby O'Perry. This is the 18th episode of the Perry Films podcast. We will be talking about the different types of viruses, such as COVID-19 and diabetes. In this discussion, we'll be educating you on how they originate it, how they affect the body, how they can be treated and prevented. Today's guest, we have Dr. Robert Gabay, who works for the American Diabetes Association as chief scientific and medical officer. You can introduce yourself. Hey, hi, uh, this is Bob Gabay and I'm the chief scientific and medical officer at the American Diabetes Association and so glad to be here with you, Bobby. Feels good to be here um, with you as well. Um, what's gonna make this conversation more interesting is because we have someone who has dived deep into diabetes and also a little bit about COVID. And there's a lot of miscommunication that's involved where we're getting news, which is not accurate. So through this discussion, we hope to educate you the best that we can from our own research. So we're gonna start out with what is COVID? How did it start? Yeah, so, uh, you know, for starts, I mean, COVID is a virus. And so let me just back up for those that maybe are not so familiar. Um, when we think of infections, they're viruses, they're bacteria, and they're f funguses. Uh, fungus would be like athlete's foot. Bacteria are the types of things that antibiotics work on. And viruses are a separate category that antibiotics don't work on. And the most common example of those before COVID was uh, the common cold. Common cold is, is usually a virus. And uh, so COVID-19 is a particular type of virus that was discovered as the cause for this illness that uh, has led to the pandemic and spread quickly uh, across the globe. Yeah, that is true. And there's so many different strains. A lot of people didn't know that it started so many years ago. And I believe the first strain was, I forget what year off the top of my head, but a few thousand people got sick um, in that area. And then eventually as most viruses mutate, it became stronger and stronger and leading it to what we have right now. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, coronaviruses are very common and we've all been exposed to them over years and years. Uh, and, and this is a particular type of coronavirus, therefore designated number 19. Uh, and that one, uh, or the one that we're still dealing with, was unique in that people did not have immunity to it. It mutated in a way where one didn't really have immunity at a global level. So an example of that would be, may have heard of, of flu pandemics where the, the flu is caused by another virus, influenza, and that virus mutates. And every once in a while, it has a major mutation that most people are not immune to. And that's when we have these huge numbers of death associated with, uh, with a pandemic. Uh, and the last one, you know, being earlier in the 20th century, when there was an influenza virus that caused a pandemic here, 
We have a, a coronavirus that varied dramatically from all the previous versions of coronaviruses and therefore has had this devastating effect. Yeah, and millions and millions of people around the world are still dying. It's a shame that people are still not taking it seriously. Some people don't think it really exists. Some people are at high risk and don't know that they're at high risk. And by the time when they find out, it's already too late on the ventilators and all types of machines. Yeah, it's, it's really disturbing how in the end, there's been a lot of disinformation. And so people have been confused about this and that's led to all sorts of strange theories. Uh, but it's very clear that COVID-19 exists. It's a virus. It can cause very serious illness and death. And in fact, has. Can you tell us some of the symptoms that uh, may occur for someone who may be infected or? Yeah, the symptoms vary a, a good amount. So, and, and each mutation of COVID-19, so COVID-19, it, it started, you know, uh, February, March of 2020. And since then, there have been what, it, what you may have heard the word variant. And variant, it's still the corona, coronavirus 19 virus, but there have been small changes in it that have made it a variant strain. And those variants have had some different symptoms. And uh, Omicron is one of those uh, variants. So what are the symptoms of COVID infection? Generally, uh, cough, fever, um, can have diarrhea or gastrointestinal problems, shortness of breath. A number of those types of symptoms can be it. Yeah. When I was doing my research, some symptoms included coughing, sneezing, headaches, diarrhea, which I thought was odd, vomiting, losing taste and smell. Those are some early signs, sore throats muscle aches, and the list keeps going. I think there's about like 12 or 15 different symptoms. Yeah, there are a lot of symptoms. And they're sort of the symptoms, if you think about them, are what we're used to viruses causing and, and having a really bad cold. And the difference here is that uh, COVID-19 has taken those symptoms, which may be common, and that has led in some people to really devastating disease, uh, overwhelming infection, and, and sadly death. Right. How is it spread? What do you say? Well, it's spread what they, uh, the term is used, aerosol. And so it's, it's really through the air in little tiny droplets. And it does not seem to be spread by surfaces very much. And so uh, early on in the pandemic, we didn't know all of this. And so people were very careful about cleaning surfaces. Not to say that's not helpful, but really it's, it's what's in the air. Uh, and that's why masks have been effective, uh, uh, ventilation, being outdoors, because those little droplets in the air get spread very quickly so that you're not exposed to much. Yeah. And what's bizarre that I'm hearing in different states and different countries is that they're re um, removing the mask mandates and this is causing another surge in some states and 
I see all these concerts, award shows, and all types of festivals going on, and no one's wearing any masks. And they refuse to show the actual numbers of how many people are getting infected. But they just um, kind of not, well, not offensively, but like laugh at the situation, like if it's not serious. And like I said, people have been dying over the past two or three years now, like we're in year 2022 now. And then this variant started in 2019. And we didn't have lockdown until I think March of 20, um, 2020. But if we had took action earlier, we could have reduced how many deaths and how, how many spreads occurred. Yeah, you know, I, I think that's true that if, in hindsight, if we had acted more aggressively early, if uh, people in general were cooperative with wearing masks earlier, and if more people got vaccinated earlier, uh, that would have uh, resulted in a lot of lives saved. Yeah, and we'll break down some of the different vaccines that people can um, test out. I know there's the Johnson and Johnson, there's the Pfizer and the Moderna. I'm not sure if they're still doing the Johnson and Johnson, but I know that they're doing the Pfizer and the Moderna, and they're releasing booster shots. And I think uphill now, right? Uh, well, they're the booster shots, yes, and and those Pfizer and Moderna are the the most common ones. Um, the pills and other treatments are more for once you have COVID, they can reduce how severe a case you get. And so for people that are high risk, either getting infusions or now tablets can help make it milder disease or reduce the risk of it getting very serious. Can you explain the... It, oh, infusions. Infusion shots. Yes, yeah. So, so uh, one of the, along with the advances of uh, having developed vaccinations, honestly, in record time, I mean, this is really uh, an incredible scientific accomplishment that nobody would have imagined things could have happened as quickly as they did. Uh, the other treatments that became available are for people that have COVID to prevent them from getting really serious disease. Uh, and the initial uh, treatments were infusions. So essentially IV intravenous injections over, over you know, a period of some time, an hour or two, uh, that help to ensure the body's immune system quickly fights off the infection and it doesn't get a very severe. And so those, those became available. And over time, we've now, uh, on, there are available some tablets that do something similar that reduce the risk of really bad infections. Yeah, that's good to know. Cause I had a friend who was diagnosed with COVID and she mentioned to me about the infusions and how a lot of people didn't know about that treatment. Yeah, a lot of people don't know. They really were not, you know, not used as much as uh, one would have hoped because a lot of people weren't aware. And you had to go to a special facility that could administer it. And so finding that and, and doing that in the early days of infection, because if you wait too long, uh, the medicines don't really work. So it's it's really something you have to do early on in, in the disease. And, and it's really for people that... Uh, are high, high risk for 
bad infection for really overwhelming infection. So people with chronic diseases, the elderly, people with diabetes as one of the really big risk factors for uh, doing poorly with COVID. Definitely. Who else will be considered at high risk? Well, you know, people with chronic diseases, so heart disease, kidney disease, diabetes, uh, cancer, anyone uh, in those categories that have an altered immune system for some reason, uh, all of those individuals at high risk and the elderly, uh, just based on age in and of itself, they are at much higher risk. Yeah, good to know. Right before we go into the diabetes portion, I would like for you to highlight a little bit on the differences between the Delta variant and the Omicron. Yeah, so the different variants have had uh, of COVID have had different impacts. And the, the Delta variant was a more severe variant. People got a lot sicker. Um, and in particular affected the lungs in a significant way so that they developed, you know, many people developed shortness of breath. Uh, uh, sadly, many required to be on a ventilator and those types of things. Uh, the Omicron variant is less severe disease in general, but again, many people uh, sadly are dying from Omicron in and of itself. But the special feature about Omicron is that it's highly infectious. It's more infectious than the other variants. So many more people got Omicron uh, than got Delta. Delta variant, but the people that got Delta variant got much sicker. Okay, good to know. So be aware of people. We might not be able to tell which variant that you have at initially, but I think both should be treated seriously, no matter yes. how symptoms are. Exactly. And, you know, we uh, oh, oh, more than likely, um, you know, one would imagine there will be another variant coming out. And we don't know yet whether that variant, what its features will be, whether it'll be cause more serious disease. Yeah. So now we're going to go into the diabetes portion because you specialize in that. We're going to try to answer as many questions that people have. And if we are not able to, if we're not able to fit everything into this video, we'll allow you guys to write comments and he'll try to get back to you. Well, I'll refer the messages to him and see if he can possibly answer it. And when I have my website available, I'll try to post the frequently asked questions. <laughs> um, okay, so let's talk about diabetes. Define what is diabetes. So diabetes is when uh, blood glucose, which is the, the fuel for the body, it's a form of sugar, um, when those levels get uh, too high. And the problem with that is that you need glucose to survive. Your brain functions almost exclusively on, on glucose, on uh, that form of sugar to function, but when the levels get too high, it starts to damage tissues. And it happens over a, you know, a long period of time, but over that period of time, having high uh, blood glucose levels, high, high blood sugar levels, essentially is why 
diabetes is the leading cause of blindness, kidney failure, amputations, increases the risk of heart disease and stroke. So it can have a lot of uh, bad outcomes if not well cared for. Agreed. And there's so many different types, but in this podcast episode, we're going to be talking about one and two. So does anyone know how it originated, the first case, or did it just come out of nowhere? Yeah, you know, we we know that it existed, you know, uh, their records a couple thousand years ago of people developing it. The, the word diabetes mellitus essentially refers to the symptoms, which is excessive sweet urine. And so presumably somebody discovered it by... Uh, checking that the urine had a sweet taste. And I don't know who that okay. person was, but, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, but that's, that's when it was discovered. Uh, and, and, uh, but it, but it probably has existed, you know, uh, for a millennium. Yeah. When I was doing research over the past couple of weeks, they kind of even give you a date. They were talking about 250 BC, a couple thousand BCs. And it just seemed like, and it's about evolving like any other virus. I believe there's either four or five different types now, which I think is kind of crazy. Well, you know, in terms of diabetes, there, there are sort of two main types, as you said, type one and type two. And then there are other causes of diabetes, some genetic causes, uh, diabetes that develops during pregnancy called gestational diabetes. But we really only, you know, we only give the numbers to uh, one and two. Yeah. So what are some symptoms that people may have when they are first diagnosed with diabetes or just finding out for themselves? That's something may be wrong. Yeah, the, the most common things, well, you know, some of the symptoms would be excessive urination and excessive thirst. Some people may notice a blurring of their vision, weight loss, Yeast infections in women, those can be the symptoms, but in type 2 diabetes, which is 90% of the people uh, with diabetes, most commonly, they have no symptoms. And that's why so many people are undiagnosed because they have no symptoms. That's true. So we're going to break down the two different types of diabetes. Um, Let's start with type 1. So first I'll tell you a little bit about how blood glucose or blood sugar is regulated by the body. How is it controlled? And it's really controlled by a hormone called insulin. And that insulin is made in the pancreas by specific cells. So um, in the end, no matter what type of diabetes we're talking about, it has something to do with insulin not doing its job. Uh, and there are some different reasons. In type 1 diabetes, um, it's an autoimmune disease. So the body's immune system attacks the cells that make insulin and destroys them. So people essentially make no insulin. And therefore, the only treatment for them is to give them back the insulin in the form of injections. Definitely. I, I can tell you a little bit about type 2 diabetes and what that is. So in, in type 2 diabetes, um, 
it's it's a it's a it's two problems. Uh, people become resistant to the effects of that hormone insulin. The insulin doesn't work very well, uh, and most people respond by making extra insulin. Uh, and so, problem one is they become resistant to the effects of insulin. The insulin's not working; it's not doing its job. And the second problem is that they can't make enough extra insulin to overcome that resistance. And so it's, it's not having enough insulin that is doing the job once again. Can we also mention that type one is a more rare case? I believe five to 10% are diagnosed with type one while 90% um, have type two. Yes. Exactly right. So 90% of people have type two. Uh, type one is about five to 10% of uh, people. Uh, we used to think of type one mostly in kids, and that's why it has an old name, juvenile diabetes. But we now know that type one can occur at any age. And type two used to be only in adults, and it was sometimes called adult onset or maturity onset diabetes. But we know that's not true because unfortunately, as obesity has uh, become more and more common uh, in our population and in younger people, uh, children are developing type two diabetes. What age would you say for type one that you would give like an average age for them to be diagnosed? Uh, it, typically, it's under the age of 35, but there are exceptions. And so, uh, uh, you know, anywhere from six months of age to uh, 35 is most common. Would you say that they're born with it or it just develops? Yeah, they're not born with it. It develops uh, and it develops for reasons that we don't totally understand. Uh, something triggers uh, something triggers the immune system to uh, start attacking the pancreas and destroying the cells that make insulin. And we're not quite sure what that is. Uh, and one of the thoughts has been that it is some form of virus, although we don't know which virus. Yeah. I was only asking because should we get tested regularly to see if we have diabetes or you know, just to prevent things from escalating or finding ways to monitor things because the problem is people wait too late. Yeah, no, I'm glad you asked that question. That's very important. So the American Diabetes Association publishes guidelines for clinicians uh, in terms of diabetes. And so one of our recommendations uh, in terms of screening is that everybody uh, uh, at age 35 onwards should be screened for diabetes. Uh, and it's a simple blood test. And then those people uh, between 18 and 35 that are overweight or obese and have some other risk factor like a family history of diabetes, they should be screened as well. So uh, 18 to 35, if you're obese, uh, uh, if you have obesity or overweight and risk factors and everybody starting at age 35 and every three years thereafter. Yeah. And we want to inform people to not think of stereotypes of 
you have to be overweight, you have to be obese to develop diabetes. You can be thin. I had a conversation with someone before and everyone knows I have a background in dance and someone said a comment to some of the dancers to look in front of the mirror and let them know that they're fat and they need to lose weight. I reached out to um, the teacher to figure out why that they would say that to people, which was very damaging to them. And he would say, well, all fat people have diabetes, Some, something ignorant in that regard. And that's not acceptable. It doesn't matter how big or thin you are, you can be unhealthy. Yes, first body that tells you that something's off, whether it's your vitamin level, getting vitamin D, nutrition. I think the main issue is that people don't know enough about nutrition. And they believe just by um, eating salad all day, it's going to change something. No, it doesn't. <laughs> right. So, uh, you know, one thing that people often don't know is for type 1 diabetes, they're typically thin. Uh, these individuals, they're not overweight. Type two are more commonly overweight and obese uh, and have obesity, but not exclusively. Uh, and so uh, that's why there are these recommendations to screen everybody uh, because you can't just go by what they look like. Right. So stop stereotyping people, focus on yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, the other thing that I think has been really harmful um, is the, the sort of being the, the sort of judging people for developing diabetes. It's not their fault. It shouldn't be stigmatized because of that. Uh, it is a disease and some people have it and some people don't, and it's not their fault. Uh, we need to help them. What is a good blood sugar level? Would you recommend for people to fall in? Well, you know, some of that depends on what time of day one is looking, uh, because uh, even people without diabetes, their their blood sugar, their blood glucose levels vary during the course of the day. So, uh, for example, depending on what you eat and how much carbohydrates you're eating, that will determine even for people without diabetes, their their blood glucose levels go up in response to eating. So. Let's say, um, you know, uh, a fasting number, like first thing in the morning, where we take out the food factor here, a number less than 100 um, is, is normal. A number between 100 and 125 is pre-diabetes, meaning that they're at risk for developing diabetes. And 126 or greater, that's uh, having diabetes. Yeah. How would people know their levels? Do they have to go to the hospital or clinic or can I get tested at home? You know, generally it's, it's with their healthcare provider having a blood test. They can do that glucose level first thing in the morning, or there is another blood test to screen if somebody has diabetes. It's called an A1C and what it does is it gives an average of what your uh, blood glucose levels have been over the last three months. And so that's a really good test that any laboratory should be able to do, any healthcare provider can do for you. Um, and that will tell you right away whether you have diabetes or not. And if you, and if you have diabetes, what your average blood glucose levels have been over the last three months. Yeah. 
Is there ways that we can try to prevent diabetes? Like is there a type of exercise regimen that you recommend? Yes, you know, type two diabetes in particular, it, it can be prevented. Um, and uh, there are programs that, that help people do that. And we run a number of these and it's called the Diabetes Prevention Program. And they're scattered all around the country. You can find them uh, and, and they're very effective. Um, and what they do is they help people who are at risk for developing diabetes, typically people with prediabetes, to increase their physical activity and modify their diet so that they lose a little bit of weight. And that, could, that can be very effective. Yeah, I would say to everybody who's watching this, having a regimen of the foods that you eat, counting the calories if that's necessary, balancing the food categories and stuff, not too much sugar, not too much salt, because that can be damaging to your body and how your body reacts to it could be different and it could actually accelerate the damage that you're doing to your insides. Yeah, eating healthy foods definitely makes a difference. And, you know, a, a simple way to think about this is, uh, you know, vegetables, uh, salads, uh, without a lot of dressing, uh, <laughs> tend to be, uh, you know, good healthy items uh, uh, for, for a balanced diet. Yeah. What other foods do you recommend besides vegetables? maybe fruit or milk? Yeah, I, I think fruit generally, you know, and again, in moderation, um, you know, what, what we recommend as much as anything is, uh, to your point, a balanced diet and not uh, relying on one type of food overly. The American Diabetes Association website has a wealth of information on foods to eat, including recipes uh, and on our food hub that people can go to it diabetes.org. And there's lots of information there about what to eat. Um, the other thing to consider is there are dietitians uh, that are experts and can help tailor a meal plan that works for you, that takes into account your preferences, what you like to eat, and then helps to guide you on what healthy eating would look like for you. We... I know back in the day, I'm not sure if they still have commercials, but Weight Watchers, they only advertise food. And it's like a little pet peeve to me because I feel like you should be exercising and being active. And all they highlight is eat the salad, you'll lose weight, turn into a vegetarian, a pescatarian, and all these other things. You'll become healthy and you're living this amazing dream. Maybe not cost efficient, but people think, since I'm not eating anything that's living or doing everything plant-based, it's going to change my health. And people become obsessed with that lifestyle. But you're actually doing more damage to yourself, I believe. Well, you know, what I would say is that exercise is, is really beneficial. And it's not just beneficial in terms of your blood sugar and blood glucose levels, but your cardiovascular health, it's, it's good for your heart. It's a great stress reducer. So exercise has lots of benefits and, and, and you're absolutely right. It's important that we stress that for people uh, with diabetes, at risk for diabetes and, and really the general population, everybody. Definitely. So let's talk about the different types of testing. 
to diagnose someone with diabetes, I can, I can talk yeah, through that. A little bit, yeah, a little bit more further in depth to figure out, because we can understand the numbers a little bit. My question is, how do we monitor these different blood levels? Not just um, by pricking your finger and getting tested, but what are other ways that we can figure out for ourselves? Because not everybody has access to go to a facility due to not having insurance. Yeah, so, you know, for telling whether you have diabetes, uh, there are glucose meters uh, that you can prick your finger and, uh, and get a number. Uh, and if you do it first thing in the morning, that can give you some sense of what your risk is. Um, another really helpful thing that I'd, I'd uh, tell your uh, viewers um, is uh, the American Diabetes Association has a risk test. It takes a minute to do. Um, you answer a bunch of questions. and They'll tell you what your risk is for developing diabetes. So that's another useful thing. For people that have diabetes, uh, there, there are a bunch of tools. Uh, one can continue to do the finger stick. That is, you know, a little lancet, you prick your finger, you put the blood on a, on a strip uh, and put it, the strip in a machine and it reads it and it tells you what your blood glucose levels are. Um, the other way to do that, which uh, for people with diabetes and, and some people even without diabetes have used this, um, is a continuous glucose monitor, uh, uh, sometimes called CGM. And what that does is it measures the blood sugar, the blood glucose levels continuously. So you can read it and see where you've been over the course of a day and be able to see all of the numbers and the patterns. And where that's helpful is people can see the effect of eating different things, uh, of exercise. Um, and it's, it's really a wonderful tool for people with diabetes. Yeah. And now the number one question, I do have more questions after this, but the big question is since people with diabetes are at high risk, what happens if they catch COVID? What, how does that affect the body? Well, you know, the, the sobering thing, and this is not uh, appreciated by most people is that if you look at the uh, deaths that have occurred in the U S from COVID, 40% of them are in people with diabetes. So diabetes is really, uh, been, people with diabetes have been really hard hit uh, by COVID. And if, if someone has diabetes and they get uh, COVID infection, they're the things that they should have beforehand, uh, have their medications that they have a good supply of, have the ability to check their blood glucose levels, uh, you know, whether finger stick or continuous glucose monitor handy, have something to take for symptoms of COVID, like common cold symptoms, you know, uh, uh, something for fever, like uh, uh, Tylenol, Advil, those types of things. And, uh, and then there's really the uh, decision of whether they need something more and whether they should seek out the infusions or tablets that can lower the risk of 
having a bad outcome from COVID. And for many people with diabetes, uh, they are considered high risk and, and probably worth considering those treatments. And that's something they should talk to their healthcare provider about. Yeah, that sounds very scary. And it, from what you just said, it just seems like it just escalates everything and actually accelerates what's going on with your body, with COVID. Yeah, it, it can make it uh, a lot worse. What are some habits that you find some people doing once they find out that they have diabetes? Well, you know, what's important early on is really to, uh, you know, knowledge is power, uh, knowing more about diabetes and what they can do to help themselves. Because in the end, doctors, nurses, you know, all these other people, um, they're not going to manage your diabetes. You are. Uh, and, and they can help and they can provide guidance, but it's, it's really something that um, one has to deal with in their behavior and the things that they do. And so learning what you need to know uh, from reliable sources, because there's lots of information on the internet. Um, and again, uh, diabetes.org, the American Diabetes Association website has a lot of really reliable, helpful tips of what to do and how to take care of yourself so that you don't have to develop the uh, potential complications of diabetes, eye, kidney, nerve damage, all of those things are largely preventable if uh, um, one learns the right things to do and gets the right kind of care. Definitely. And like you said, don't judge people who have it. You never know. One day it might come to you. Yeah, when exactly. Uh, you're the one that needs the crutches, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I think it's important for us to use all of our resources, not just relying just on YouTube videos, read articles, read books. He said, go on the American Diabetes Association's um, website. And know that's how he said .org. That means organization. So, you know, it's a credible source, you know? I just wanted to throw that out there. Oh, I'm glad you did. <laughs> um, are there any tips, maybe one to three tips of advice I want to share with the audience? You know, I, I would say as far as tips go, uh, think about how you can increase your activity, uh, whether that's walking or what activities you like to do, uh, physical activity. Uh, pick one thing set a goal, set a realistic goal of what you're going to do this week uh, around activity. And then think about the food that you eat and what might be one change you could make that would be healthier. Uh, having more vegetables, cutting back on sweets, if that's one of the things that you struggle with. Many people sort of have a sense of some of the bad habits they might have. And don't try to change everything at once. Pick, pick one thing, work on it, set a goal and work on it, and then move to the next thing. I like how you brought down exercising. This doesn't always have to mean that you have to run. You can walk maybe like an hour each day, walk to the store, 
grab your food. You like multitasking at the same time. You're buying something from the store that's healthy. Moderating your portions. Nutrition is very important. I'm going to try to get someone to dedicate an episode on nutrition so we can understand our eating habits. Maybe I'm eating unhealthy too, and I could learn something from there. Maybe he's eating unhealthy and, you know, and making sure that you're getting tested, using all your resources. I think people don't ask the right questions. So what are some questions that people could write down in the chat, actually? To ask their doctors, maybe. Uh, what questions to ask your doctor? Um, I, I think a question might be, uh, what's the goal for my uh, blood glucose levels, my blood sugars? Um, what do I need to do to get there? So know your goal and then come up with a plan uh, around how to get there, uh, whether it's medication uh, and lifestyle changes, come up with a plan together with your healthcare provider. Yeah. So I'll wrap up by saying there's many strains of COVID out there, there's SARS, there's the bird flu, COVID-19, Delta, um, Omicron. There could be another one that comes out in a couple of months, years, just don't know. Use all the proper precautions, whether you're getting vaccinated or choose not to get vaccinated. Do the little things of wearing your masks everywhere you go. Social distance if possible. Making sure that you exercise every day to balance your diet for diabetes, get checked, reach out to anyone who may be skilled at that particular field, and don't be afraid to ask dumb questions. Like, if you don't ask a question, no question is dumb. We need to get out of that mindset. If there are no dumb questions, yes. Every day is a learning experience, and doing this video right here, I learned a lot. I know some people who have diabetes and now I can connect to, um, to them on a personal level now because I have a better understanding of some of the vocabulary. Still may have to do more research, but I feel more self-aware than I was initially going into this topic. Yeah. Um, is there any way that people can reach out to you? I, I think the best is to get information on the American Diabetes Association website at diabetes dot org and uh, bobby i really appreciate the opportunity to be on your show and uh, uh speak to your audience and uh, thank you i'm glad that you were a part of this making time out of your busy schedule to be a part of this and educating the audience and hopefully they will share this video and spread the word of knowledge and wealth you can find me on instagram youtube tiktok at B. Perry Films and Clubhouse, B. Perry Films. And like I said, write all your questions in a chat box. I'll try to reach out to some people and try to answer your questions the best that I can possibly can and keep the knowledge going and hope you all subscribe and learn much more. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Just a reminder, everyone, on April 30th at 12 p.m. Eastern time, I will be hosting a webinar on Black Men in Business. If you wanna sign up, registration link is at the description box below. Thank you.